Hi, this is Alex Michael, and this week on Three Sides of the Coin, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Everybody, welcome back. Did we, we took off last week. We did a flashback episode. Welcome back to two sides of the coin. Mark and I have a couple guests joining us this week. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm here, Michael. Mark's here. Ed's here. And we're joined by Alex all the way. From Hello. <laughs> He's going to sit in on this round table discussion. Um, so before we get anywhere, I'm just going to I'm, I'm just taking a long shot here. Tommy, any comments you want to read? Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> this is from, now we took last week off. So this is from the week before when we had David from Kiss Replicas on number 426. This one's my favorite. Um, I've been asking David for a desktop Sammy Serpent replica for months. So there's other people that are excited about that. And the other one I wanted to read, this is Sean E. Rocks 57. I made it 40, I made it 46 minutes and tapped out. Can't win them all, but I'll be back next week. I love that. Thank you. And then he showed up yes. next week and we weren't there. And then we yeah, exactly. There. Well, yeah. because we were all so upset about the comment that we just, you know. I, I think that's it should be the official proclamation there, Tommy. We were so hurt by uh, him tapping out. So yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, we're so we we get so hurt by people saying mean things about us. <laughs> but check out check out um, Kiss Replicas because they are <clears throat> dropping those shoes soon. No, so no, they're already the doing. They're, oh, they're out. Okay, they're out. Okay. And I think he said in the first day they sold five hundred pairs of uh, shoes. So if you want one, do it now. Better do it fast because it was a bigger. Res- bigger response than he was anticipating i think that's something like it brought down his website or broke his e-commerce store or something like that so yeah don't wait around if you want some um yeah we took off last week work life family gets in the way and uh instead of just doing nothing and i think we're going to do this moving forward it's kind of cool since we've got so many freaking shows we did a flashback episode i just went in and pulled an old episode and streamed it live and it was tommy if you remember it was the one where you and i i think mark was just starting out as a guest host for us at that point in time but you and i did that uh solo album special yeah we talked about not just taking the songs from the solo albums and creating a kiss album from them but using the songs from all the solo albums as demos. And then you could re-record them. You could have somebody else sing one of the songs. You, you know, if you went into a studio 
with all that solo album material and a producer said, okay, uh, Paul, this is a great song you brought in, but we're going to have Ace sing it instead. Was this the first time that Mark broke the rules? I don't know if Mark was, Mark, did you take part in that or were you just a Spencer, not a Spencer's crap at that point? I think you were Spencer's crap at that time. I have no idea. I, I, it's, I, <laughs> per normal, I didn't even pay attention. I just knew we didn't have the show. So I think, I think that's when Mark was just doing um, Spencer's crap. Could be. Yeah. So anyway, moving forward, if we've got weeks where we're not here, I think we're going to do that. That's a great um, idea. And, and I think there's, I may also just randomly pull out old episodes and live stream them um, and jump into the comments threads that are going on while it's happening. It's a good way to pull up some of those old episodes, which are really good and really interesting. I think that's a great idea. Just let us know when you're going to do it so I can, I'll hop on too. Yeah. So uh, here, real quick, right out of the gate here, homework question. If you've been with us for a long time here, is there an old episode you want us to pull back, re rebroadcast it and just jump in and have the, the chat rooms going while we're live streaming an old episode? Um, you know, leave us a comment on that. That would be great. Yeah, because Mark Mike will not Riley. be joining during any of that. You won't be joining during no. any of that because I don't know if he can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, 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 Mark's like, find what? Yeah. <laughs> huh? Huh? Hey, Mike, do you have, do you have this? Yes, I do. I was yes, just going to do My whole table is full of records right now because I'm sorting stuff. I'm like, I don't know if Mike has this because this is like super cool. Game as you know it's a promo it, promo box promo mini box set of molly Hattie. yeah my my friend mike gave me his extra because he found i mean this one's in great shape but he found one like pristine so he gave always wanted i mean i got this a while ago but i'm as i'm sorting i'm obviously i'm to the m's <laughs> i was uh, i was i'm like fuck i don't know if mike knows about this because that's not something yep. a lot of people even know about no no it's it's you know yeah there there wasn't a lot of molly hatchet promos that i'm aware of that were were released there there was that one there was one that epic did like three or four other artists from epic records and molly hatchet and one of those label promo pieces and i think there was also a uh, king biscuit flower hour one that's floating around out there as well yeah and that was such a great idea to release you know whatever four four five so i think this got four or five songs even four song five song that was right five live ep with the you know with the debut record yep. just a what a fucking brilliant idea that's again you know record companies care you know they um, had the well you know they had the money to freaking spend because people were buying music <laughs> nobody buys music anymore so nobody's gonna spend any money to do cool shit yeah and it's sad it's again just you know <clears throat> Not just because they're all sitting right here. The uh, uh, for the Diary of a Madman promo with the the little what do you call it? The little yeah. hype sheet of uh, the day it was released. I, I, again, it's just I'm getting just really trying to organize my vinyl because I've been buying a lot lately, and I just start like putting it in the other room. And next the other day, I was looking at some like fuck. I got so much stuff that's not even, and I'm really meticulous, like with my Kiss stuff, and everything's in alphabetical and chronological order. So to have my vinyl not like 
in order is driving me crazy because all my you know, I got a couple thousand CDs. They're all in chronological and alphabetical order too. And I'm like having my vinyl not in order is driving me fucking crazy right now. So I would think I, that you would sort it by autobiographical. You know? So like you'd have to think, all right, if I want to listen to sheriffs when I'm with you, I was uh, working at such and such. And that girl that I loved came through the front door. And where was I that? And oh, yeah, that's Tom, right. Tommy, was, you're just making this way more complicated. I just assume that's what Mark would do. That's all I'm saying. And Mark, did it ever happen to you that like you bought something and then you forgot you bought it and bought it again a couple of years later? Um, you know what? I, I can honestly say that that is that that has happened. But <laughs> I mean, it's like extremely, extremely rare because I wish I had this sort of, you know, savantist to be a savant like that, like with calculus or something. But I will look at like Kiss magazines and go, I already have that one. What, what do you mean? Well, it's got one extra picture in the corner. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I just as I'm thumbing through them. Um, vinyl, I think that's probably happened once or twice. Um, you know, cause I got a lot of records too. Um, it, also though, too, sometimes I'll, I'll buy something if, especially if it's a really, really old vinyl one that I played to death. Cause yeah. lately I've really been, so I, I bought something I already had. And then that's what kind of what my buddy did. That's how I got this Molly hatchet thing. He found one. And he gave me his old one because I always thought it was cool. And, um, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. But also, too, I mean, it's cool. This as you guys know, because you guys all are into this stuff, too. Just just cool finding really hard to find things and extra songs and just re record label promo stuff. I mean, you know, that what especially back in the 80s. That's well, all I really focused on collecting, you know, was just if it was a label promo, a label something, I would buy it. I could care less about, you know, the the minutia of a commercial variant of something because it's I, well, that's important. It, but correct, but, Mike. That's that's why I, I'm and I'm not going to keep doing this all Just I got that, that one. Just, yeah. When you said 1980, you said something because this was a great example this ep had one song that wasn't on the the record yep. uh, the record so as soon as you said yeah from the and that's you're right i don't buy the variant records because it has one catalog number different i, yeah, I don't catalog difference yeah. number different <clears throat> and and again as we've said if you love that that's awesome but for me it was all about you know, the record label promo. Oh, this is a 12 inch radio promo. It's got a special promo sticker on it. Oh, this was, you know, uh, a, an EP that was released. And it's, you know, we, we know, I mean, Kiss has had all that sort of stuff too, but I was always buying that, whether it was Motley Crue or Dokken or, you know, Rat or whoever it was, I was always going after all those label promo releases if I could find them. But I always feel like, like the best country for any of that stuff was definitely the UK. I mean, if you remember like in the 80s, like Def Leppard, when they had the 12-inch singles, and there was always like like two or three bonus tracks that were yep. not on any of the B other stuff. B-sides were always yeah. popular in the UK. And then they had postcards, and like I'm sure Mark remembers the, the bloody Wasp single. Oh, yeah, I had that. Yep. Yep. But this, I mean, this one here is, is very much... 
like that. The Ozzy, this comes with, uh, I think, the postcards and. They yeah, they, yeah, they sometimes throw a patch in there, a postcard, yeah, yeah. a mini poster. Well, I'll be honest. The reason I bought this, I bought this years ago. They, the the promo, the the advertising. If you can see, I don't know if you can see. It, it's Japanese, oh. but the reason I bought it is because it said the ultimate sin was lie. What was it called? Yeah, ultimate live Ozzy, and the whole fucking thing studio. I remember getting really <laughs> pissed that you know i i spent the money that i did on this and it wasn't live I, I go figure you know i don't know why but it's not it's a fucking studio recording <laughs> but that's the name of it ultimate ozzy live and i'm like oh cool you and know? and and it seems to me that in the uk the labels would also do a lot of stuff in relation to tours so they'd re- yeah They'd release a 12 inch or they'd release an EP and it might have a sticker promoting the tour dates throughout the UK or something like that in there as well. No, they had just the most interesting releases besides Japan. Cause like the U S especially the 45s in the U S they didn't even have a sleeve. Yeah. yeah. In Germany, it was pretty much like, I hated the German kiss releases cause they have the stupid German kiss logo on it. And then the real interesting ones were Japan because they just look different. But then the UK versions always had like so much interesting stuff on. I mean, like especially like Wasp and Def Leppard. I mean, there was so much stuff coming out. If there was a new Wasp single, it came out on as a regular 45. Then there was some kind of deluxe version. 12 inch. Then picture this like each song was released like five or six different the, and you know and, and krang would be filled with ads for all of these yeah mm-hmm. yep yep oh those are fun times man i, I remember was going say, through all the catalogs and that stuff and, and then oh. especially wasp it was like because they all like maiden they always had a bonus you know not yeah. lp song and you had to like i remember going totally crazy can't to collect all of them and yeah. it was long before the internet. You literally had to go through gold mine with a fucking ruler. You go, oh my god, that song's not on the record, you know. And you have to plunk your twenty five dollars down and to get the one song. But it was just fun, you know. I love doing that. I still like doing it. It's cool. Well, and, and plus, you had great artworks. I mean, the, the stuff just looked cool. I mean, I always feel sorry, you know, because like now, if there's like a fifteen year old kid. He has to look on his phone on this miniature image. It's like, what the hell is that even? Is it just like a dot or like, you know, doesn't mean anything and it doesn't show really anything. I mean, just imagine double platinum in this size. I mean, what does <laughs> yeah. that do? <laughs> yep. Amen. Man. Well, Amen. you know, Alex, before we get into this week's topic, let me give you a couple minutes, update everybody on what you've been doing, what you've just released, and uh, how long did it take you to release it? Um, well, I just finished, uh, I just released um, the DeLorean book that I've been working on for like, I think it was a total of like 14 months. How many pages? Oh, it's magic, you got that out. How yeah. many pages is it? Uh, 500, exactly. So it got, it's got a couple photos in it, right? Yeah, I was like, hold on, I, just by accident of a copyright here. Yeah. It's like <laughs> kind of like the box, the people that have history, 
will be reminded, you know, it comes in this box that has, you know, looks okay. more like silver. And then, yeah, it's like a 500 page book. And yeah, with everything, because like the book shows um, original documents, you know, from the company. Wouldn't, and it, would, guys, wouldn't it be cool if Kiss did a book like this? <laughs> of nothing you mean but what? Fi like 500 pages of photos. It would be and magic. And <laughs> yeah. It would be magical if Kiss did something like this. But you know what? Even in that book, there's like a little kiss reference in it. You know, of by yeah. accident. <laughs> no, because it also talks about Ace Freely and his car. Because that actually that car just showed up a few months ago. A friend of mine, he bought it. Because there was always DeLorean. Yeah, there was always the rumor that the car was destroyed. And I asked Ace about it, and he was like, no, that car was never destroyed. And then one friend of mine who runs the DeLorean Motor Company in the States, he had some of the um, records from the dealerships. And when they were going through them, because I knew where the car was sold, and then they found the VIN number. And unlike on any other cars, the VIN number on the DeLoreans are unique. There is no repeating number. Like they started with number 500 and then it went to the end. Right. And that's how we knew Ace's, um, the win of his car. And what happened was like, he still had it for some time and he never fixed it. Cause at that point, nobody was able to fix stainless um, body panels. Now we have this incredible guy from the UK. Like even as, if a fender is totally bent, you would think like that's garbage. He fixes it. He travels all around the world just to fix DeLoreans. And then we found, uh, he found the guy with the VIN. And that guy didn't even know that that car was the one that belonged to Ace. Wow. That's cool. And the, the damage was even not that big. And funny enough, because now they are totally restoring it, you know, because like, there's just certain things, you know, when a car gets 40 years old, it's like, you know, how we dye our hair and stuff like that. So that's the same thing you have to do with a car. And under, when they took the seats out, they found a guitar pick from Ace, but it was not, you know, like a, a Kiss one or something. It was from the, Mark, you remember like, what was that store in New York that Ace always went to? It starts with an M, but I forgot the name of it. Manny, May, something. Oh, uh, uh, oh uh, Manny, uh, Manny, uh, Manny, Manny Music? A, a guitar store? Yeah. Manny's? Yeah, Manny's. Yeah, it was just Manny's. Yeah, there was a guitar pick underneath the driver's seat. And it's probably been sitting there like for the last like 38 years or something. Cool. And so like, yeah, now, because because of the scratches that the car had from that whole A story, whoever bought the car afterwards had it, re had it painted. Because normally no DeLorean was ever painted in the factory. That's just like a rumor, you know. And so the guy had it painted so you would be able to see the scratches. And now like they remove or they actually they already did they removed all the paint from the car and so within the next like probably like three or four months it will look exactly like it left the factory in 82 oh you gotta leave you gotta leave at least one of the scratches in there from his accident yeah well he's doing something but at least like you know to get rid of the the paint because it's just like right yeah paint, they, paint, they painted it red didn't they yeah yeah i remember seeing oh, the weird. photos you posted yeah yeah 
But I, I just think it's cool, you know, like that the car showed up again because like it was pretty much like it disappeared. And the guy who had it for all those years had no idea that that's the one that belonged to Ace. That's cool. So where where can people um, actually order and and how long will it take to ship? It's not taken five years to ship your books. No. <clears throat> what um, if you go on DeLorean book? dot org there is a section that says where you can get yours because if you live in the states you order it directly from delorean.com and if you're in europe you order it from delorean europe and then we have another place in germany because like i only did the pre-orders myself but because i'm busy all the time you know with the shameless stuff and then like we also start to work on the next Blue Rune record and there's still like a million other things going on. I don't have the time to be at home and, you know, and ship books. That's just like impossible. I mean, like, actually, I, I didn't even pack the other ones that was all my wife, you know, that was just like sitting at home and like packing books like, like crazy. But like she did it, you know, and yeah, so it doesn't take five years. And to be honest, if somebody says like something like that, needs that long i mean i can see like if ace would release something and ships it out himself like uh, you know like wh where's my table where's the you know like he wouldn't find the stuff so you never know like some people just have a hard time concentrating or you know doing stuff but like five years for anything <laughs> it's just like no it's uh, almost it's like five years would be a scam pretty much yeah <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, like, I, I don't even know that, did that person, like, is he, isn't he like one of Vinny's um, relatives, like his crazy cousin? Well, no, 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 not, he, he, he's not a relative, but I believe he studied business at the Vinny Vincent the University. Institute of, yeah, Institute of Economics. Well, like the institution. <laughs> No, and I mean, like, giving two copies. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, like, that totally reminds you on that famous Vinny box set. Yeah. You know. I mean, everyone, he, he said, in, if you remember, Vinny said, everyone's going to get two copies. Two of them. In Atlanta, yeah. when he came back, he said, yeah, he apologized for it, and, and he was going to give everybody two box sets. But, you know, the craziest part about all of this is that, like, you still find people and you see those photos on Facebook and wherever. There's still people that wake up one day. It's like, oh, my God, I got to spend like 12000 on a guitar from Vinny that he God knows wherever he gets them from. But like, you know, to spend that kind of money or like pre-order stuff from him and still to this day. You know. Uh, you know, this other book we were talking about, it just goes to prove there are people out there who, you know, it's, it's not difficult to separate people from money. Let's put it that yeah. way. And to be honest, <clears throat> the only reason I took 14 months was simply because I wanted to release the book this year, because this year is the 40th anniversary of the car. So I was finished last September. And then I had David Snowden helped me at the end, you know, to change a few little things um, that I wasn't that happy about because the original version of the book had like a regular spine. But then I felt like if you put the spine 
and make it look like the grill of the car. So when the book is in the box, it reminds you on the car itself. So there was one last thing and then I couldn't, I did something wrong, but then like whenever there's something going wrong, like David Snowden is the, the master of fixing whatever's broken. Like he's like, okay, I'll do it. And like two minutes later, you get the response, oh, I'm done. You know, it's unbelievable. Like that guy, you know, like he saved my ass for the last like like 30 years, I think. <laughs> well, you know, and, and and David did a lot of work on Lydia Chris's book, which is yeah. an incredible book. So, yep. No, I think it's amazing also- what happens when you surround yourself with great people. Yeah. yeah. When you try not to do it all yourself, when you have no experience doing any of it. No, exactly. And th- that was my thing from the beginning. Cause like, as you know, like I never did a book before in my life. I was just like, okay, you know, I know how to put it together and everything. Cause like the last thing I wanted to do was like a typical car book. Cause, and then I just looked at history, you know, cause it's full with whatever. Yep. So, and my rule was there's no white spot in that book. Like the backgrounds will be blueprints or whatever. So like, there's really, Something to see. And the cool thing now is like people writing me messages. So like, you know, I had to book now for five weeks and I'm still not even halfway through it. Cool. Good. Because like the last thing is like you buy something and then you look at it. And then after like, you're like half an hour, like a day, you're done. And it's like, okay, what a, you know, it's nice. But if you have it and it takes you like a month to get through it, that means you really get something for, you know, yeah. for the money. That's a compliment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a compliment. Well, good for you. I'm, 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 I'm glad to see the book is out. I'm glad to see you're getting some great response to it. Yeah, thank you. Um, so this week we're going to do a, kind of a roundtable discussion. And this is based off of an article that Ultimate Classic <laughs> Rock posted back on April 7th. And they had asked me to be part of it. And it was such a fun little little topic. And I saw fans doing their own roundtable on this that I thought this would be a good three sides discussion. Um, the, the, the topic is basically KISS, last great, last good, first bad album. And it's, it's a number of, let me see, there's there's one, two, three, four, five questions here related to this that we will just throw the question out, go around and each of us answer it. Um, and it's a good thinking topic. And I think it's also a great play along with us. And, you know, homework is answer all these questions. So um, let's just start with the very first question. What's the last great Kiss album and why? Who wants to start? Wow, Mark. thanks. <laughs> I will if you mind. Go, Mark. Let her guess. Let her guess. Alex, go. You yeah, get to Alex. start. Okay. Um, the last like really great one where I didn't have any complaints about is Asylum. Because it just, especially after Animalize, where I thought like, oh my God, but like that's 
just like an incredible record, like the songs on them. And it even sounds like that Gene was putting some effort into those songs, unlike Animalize. And then Bruce's work on that record and Eric's is beyond. I mean, like just the guitar solo in Tears of Falling to this day, I think is one of the best solos that Kiss ever had on any of the records. It's just like, it has everything. You remember it, you can sing along with it. It's not one of those things where like somebody's like, well, let me show you how many licks I can play in a second. And pretty much like, yeah, all the songs are great. I cannot tell you, okay, there's one bad song on it that everybody knows. But like, um, other than that, I think it's an incredible record. Because, you know, I what like song all- is it? What song is it you don't like, Alex? On a silent. Yeah. Uh, the magic, the Paul song, like Raider of Dogs. Oh, no, Love. Raider of Love? <laughs> Raider of Love. I don't know, like how he even, or like how they even were like, "Hey, let's put that on there." That's like a Zeppelin-esque sort of thing. Yeah, but when I you're when you're trying. basically producing the album and it's your song, you put it on. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> you know, I you know we all know back by that point in time, Gene was off doing his own thing. So I got to imagine there wasn't a lot of pushback from Gene, and there was no producer on that album. So who's pushing back? Eric and Bruce surely were not pushing back. I mean, no. you know, they're not rocking the ship that they just got on. No. No, and Bruce is too professional to be like, um, well, I have to, you know, prove something or show something. I mean, like, I mean, I worked with Bruce so many times over the last couple of years, and it's just like, it's always mind-blowing. You know, like when you tell him, okay, hey, this is my idea, then like he just always delivers more perfect than anyone else could. That's awesome. I mean, we just like, we did a, actually we did like, like we recorded like three more songs with him over the last few weeks. And one of the songs, cause it's more like a heavier track. I told him like, can't you play something in the way you did the creatures of the night guitar solo in Detroit 84. Because, like, I'm sure you guys are familiar with that yeah. version. And that guitar, all the guitar solos that Bruce played on the Animalized tour, because I, you know, that was all last minute, but like, all those solos are like so fucking mean and in your face. And the life solo in Creatures of the Night from 84, still, I told him, like, that's so incredible. Because the other one that they did for was it, Alive 3, that one was more like sought out, okay, you know, like this needs to be perfect, that needs to be on that spot, while the other one was just like raw in your face, you know, like, hey, I'm Bruce, you know, like. Cool. Tommy. Well, I thought what Mark was, was la- going to go next. Okay, Mark, Mark, what was the last great Kiss album and why? Monster. Absolutely fucking love. Oh. <laughs> wow. I, I do. I, I, I tell you what, I, all kidding aside, on my because i still use an ipod that i mixed that in sonic boom along with like the ramones cover the beatles thing and i'm going to tell you out of all the playlists on my and and matter of fact uh, there's that i don't know if anybody who was ever into like ipod because i love mine i could go 
over two months with not hearing a duplicate song. I, I don't know how many thousands of songs that is, but it, it, it gives you the thing. It says you, you can go 60.7 days without, yeah. you know. So anyways, out of all the playlists on there, that's one of my top ones. I love Monster. I love the songs. I love everything about. The only thing I don't like about that record is I think it could have been produced a little bit better but i i i gotta I'm i gotta tell you, mark i mean you picking monster is just all the evidence i need that we're being paid to say this well, yeah i'm just being honest uh, <laughs> i absolutely fucking love that i'll tell you why both that and sonic boom are such sister records because the songs are from the heart they're genuine they're very much like the first really the first three records in a lot of ways. And what I mean by that is the songs are, are short. They're to the point. Um, there's no pretense. Here's, here's, here's a challenge for those who, who say, oh, you know, and it's funny how, how cool it is not to like this. Cause I don't give a fuck. Um, you can't listen to those records and go, all right, they're trying to copy Bon Jovi here where you could do that on, on a lot of the 80s stuff. They're trying to copy you know, this band, they're trying to copy this single. They're, you know, what's that read my body bullshit where they're trying to fucking, Ugh. you know, Def Leppard. Well, my point is this, you don't find that on that. And you know where else you don't find that kind of garbage is on the first six Kiss records. They're trying to be themselves. Well, they, and that couldn't, was they couldn't have copied Bon Jovi or Def Leppard on the first. No, but album. they weren't trying to copy <laughs> anybody else on, on the first, you know what I mean? They didn't go, oh, we're going to sound like you know, the suite on this one, because Ballroom Blitz is big now. You know what I mean? They didn't. Yeah. Those those records, you know, especially. And again, you said the last. I like Sonic Boom more than I like Monster, but. But that's the last. I love it. And put it this way. I'd be a hypocrite if I said anything different because I listen to it so much. And I think that's the genuine part about it. I listen to that record a lot because I love it. And so to me, it would be disingenuous to say anything else but that. Yeah, but I always had the problem with Monster. I mean, like, it's still sealed. That shows you a lot. And because I bought it. and But it's just like what I don't like about it. Because, you know, like, I'm pretty much like, I like most of the stuff. I even love Peter Chris's solo record, the first one. Not the All for the World or whatever it was called. But, like... What I don't like about it is just like, eight. the sound of it is so terrible. And then also, I remember like reading the song titles and I was like, and I had to double check. It's like, is that for a Man of War record? Because that's what it looked like to me. And then like, I'm just not a fan of the songs because like, I love Sonic Boom. You know, that had a lot of like great stuff on it. And that's why I was actually shocked when Monster came out because I was like, oh my God, this is... Terrible. Look, and Hell or Hallelujah could have Hell or Hallelujah could have fit on that. Um, right here, right now could have fit on that. I, I'm telling you, those are literally sister records. I do not know how you can not like one and like the other because what? they're so similar in almost every way, shape, and form, from the construction of the songs to the performances. I love how I think Tommy plays dynamite on, on both those records. Um, I again I I those two records are fucking great and I, and I love them and I listen to them all the time. I mean, the Tommy song is actually that is the best song, in my opinion, on that record. But like sister records, I always think that is a problem because like so many times, I mean, like 
I'm not sure, you know, if you remember, I mean, you do like the two striper records to hell with the devil. And then the follow up um, in God, we trust in God, we trust is also considered the sister record of to hell with the devil. And that record has the same problem. It has like this horrible sound and you can tell like the songs are kind of like a copy of what they did on to hell with the devil, which Michael Sweet actually even admitted, but like was monster. I just feel like it's below KISS standards, like what I would expect from them. Especially, you know, like so many times when you hear like unreleased stuff and how great it is. And then it's just like the, the monster thing. It has nothing to do with like, you know, like, oh, it's what, what you said, it's trendy. It's, it's like, cause you know, like I, I never care what, what is trendy, you know, cause otherwise it wouldn't still look like I do today, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, but I just, I cannot get into it. Like, like Anna always keeps saying, like, oh my God, that's such a great record. And I was like, because yeah. your wife's smart. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she, she is. Also like, she also loves Burn Bitch Burn. <laughs> no, it's like, I, I mean, like she's super intelligent and everything, you know, but like when it comes, but not when it comes to Monster. Because that's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we know where Alex is sleeping tonight on that yellow couch. <laughs> Tommy, what's your pick? Before I can answer, I have to ask a question of all of you. In your minds, what makes a, a great Kiss record? Do you the have songs. to like every single song on it? The I think I, I think I think that question is should be different for every person as to what defines a great album i mean i would think for some people it's just gives me shivers when i hear it okay that's it others might be the great lyrics the great arrangement the great production i don't know if there's an answer that could work for everybody i mean i think a lot of it can even go back to where you were and what you were doing in your life when you heard that album did it connect to a very special moment in your life and that made it great because it was there when something else happened i, I always I, I, tommy my criteria is exactly how i spell it out i it would be wrong of me to listen to that as much as i say and say oh creatures was and i'm just throwing one out you know just yeah. throwing it out. but mm -hmm. but I listen to it. I listen to it a lot, man. I listen to that an awful lot, and the reason I listen to it an awful lot is because I think it's great, and that's just being honest. So, okay, I don't. I don't know how you can talk about music and not have that be the criteria. Well, the reason I ask is because you know, typically, a lot of people view a great album as like something where you can sit down and listen to it from beginning to end and love every single song. Yeah. And, and I can't say that about anything past a certain point. So it's like, I was originally going to say monster because long way down and freak are two of my favorite, favorite kiss songs. Love them, love them, love them. Listen to them all the time. Don't really listen to the rest of the record. But if we're going to go on one where I love it from beginning to end without wanting to skip any songs, then it would be unmasked. But there, there, this is this is a game where there 
are no rules. This is Mark's ideal game. You make up whatever rules you want to answer that question. I was anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, Mark, well, yeah, again, Mark, say... Mark's doing whatever he wants anyway. So, Tommy, you you can use whatever criteria you want to make a great album. So then the last great record for me would be Unmasked because I love every single song on the record. It doesn't mean that I don't love Monster or Sonic Boom or um, Revenge or Asylum or anything, but there are after unmasked there are at least one or more songs on every single kiss record past that point that i don't care for That's but you also know like that unmasked is pretty much the best record they ever did i love it uh, me too it's like for me that's like i mean i love pretty much like all the records but like just everything on unmasked is so incredible like the songwriting and like yeah, I know you can argue about the keyboards and everything, but like it's just like the whole sound, it fits so perfect. And like the songs like Tomorrow, Is That You, all the A songs, Shandy, like the the song quality of like, you know, like the, the songs are just out of this world. It's still my favorite record. I mean, when we drove to Holland a few weeks ago on the way back, and we didn't even realize it. Like we played that record pretty much all the way from Holland to Frankfurt for like a couple of hours. And then we stayed a night in Holland, in Frankfurt and then went back from there to Munich. And still for the first two hours, we were listening to Unmasked. I think probably like a total of like eight or nine times until we were like, okay, now listen to something else. But like, I'm still like that record is so incredible. I but mean, I, I, I will say Unmasked is so much better now than the day it was released because, you know, back to Mark's favorite phrase, timelines, everything. Yeah. When that album dropped and I remember buying it at a music land and going home, it was, it was just another one of those moments of like, it's kiss. So I'm going to support this but what is going on here? What am I listening to? And like, as Mark <clears throat> brought up, you look at other albums that were being released that same year, Unmasked didn't even stand a chance in my book against some of the other rock that was being released. I thought Mark's favorite, um, favorite uh, saying was pass the ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... <laughs> You know, I think a big thing also has to do with like um, when you got into the KISS world. Cause like, yeah, I mean, like I got into KISS in like 78. And at that point, like the first record that I bought was Alive 2 and Ace's solo record. And then pretty much like a few months afterwards, Dynasty came out. And as an eight year old one, it's not that like you have unlimited amounts of money so you just walk in and like hey let's buy those like 20 different records so yeah the first one i got was alive too and then aces one and then the next one i bought was dynasty so that was kind of like the sound that i knew right 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 and well, i think you also saw the unmasked tour didn't you yeah i saw it and that was like incredible that's what i mean so that had to really made things so much more special because you know that you're it's a huge part of your your timeline 
but for oh, yeah. me, I'm, also, I'm... the funny thing is like, like I like before I saw them live, I always saw like, okay, like, yeah, Ace and Gene are so cool, but like the other guy was the star. Like, I guess he's the boring one in the band until I saw them live. And I was like, holy shit, that, that guy is fucking great. You know, especially that night, like the first band, the opening band was Iron Maiden. And I just, I was like, okay, how long is this going on? Like, this is horrible. Like, well, look I... at the time. <laughs> I can relate to that. On. See, Alex and I like <laughs> pop music more than anything else. That's why. But yeah. I'm not. I'm not going back on timeline. I'm not going about where I was. I, for someone to say great album, I chose Unmask simply because of what Alex said. The songs, everything. I like it from beginning to end. I can't say that from that point forward about any of the other records. And the same thing would be with many other artists. If you ask me what Elton John, what's the greatest album, I would definitely say Goodbye Elbrook Road. Beatles, Sergeant Peppers, and, and that's fine. So, I mean, again, yeah. this is there's there's no rules about what makes great, good, or bad, which are the three key things here that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, whatever you want, whatever made you feel that way. I mean, I I my answer to this was revenge, um, mm-hmm. just because I felt that was the last Kiss album that had everything going for it. It had great songs. It had a great producer, it had great production, great arrangements. And, and most Vinnie importantly, Vincent. well, <laughs> you know, he, credit, he was involved, but that he didn't make it great. It was the band finally gelling as a band again, because Gene was back and he was committed and every, you know, we, we've we've all talked about this. They finally looked good. They had the right look going for them. They had a great production on tour. To me, that just felt like a that was a great album. Anything since Revenge, I never got that feeling of everything was gelling. I still remember when I got my Revenge advance tape from Mercury and I put it in. And, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, it was a Kiss record and it was cool and I was excited to listen to it, but I wasn't holding out great hopes for it to be something amazing, especially coming off of the Tales of Hot in the Shade, which I'll bring up one of these other questions. (laughs) I I put that revenge tape in and I was just like, holy crap, this is, this is incredible. I mean, it was like, it was like when I first played Creatures of the Night yes. and it was released, I was just like, oh, wow, my band is back. Everything yes. is here in this album. So one question about Creatures of the Night. Um, did you like it the first time you played it or did it take you some time to get into it? I loved right it the away. first time I played it. Right away. It took me time. Yeah, me too. Like it took me a couple of, I think like two or three days until I was able to get into it. And some of the stuff, I mean, like I, I know like some people will get mad at that. To this day, I can't stand I Love It Loud. It's like one of those like, yeah, Thank I'm you. drunk. Thank you. Uh, you know what? Pe- it's been a great night. I tell you what, we're having a ball. Well, Mark, Mark, it is, <laughs> it is two sides of the coin. You know, these other guest hosts, we can't control what they're going to do. No, it's just like, 
<laughs> it's just not my kind of music, you know, like the Paul songs on Creatures, they're like out of this world, you know. I mean, like, or let's say like the songs that Vinnie probably wrote for most part. But like those songs are just incredible. And then like, I love it loud. For me, it's just like a, a letdown because it's one of those, hey, we are drunk, we have to sing along songs. That's you a know? very German <laughs> thing though. No. Well, I don't drink, you know, so like it's hard for me to. I mean, come on, what, what, what isn't rock and roll all night? Just uh, I'm drunk and sing along song then? No, because it has this incredible like like 70s vibe. And, and that's just like rock and roll night as simple as primitive as you might want to call it or whatever. It's just like it's the magic of the original four. I, I, I think I, lo I love it loud is simple and primitive. Oh, I love I love it loud. I I I look forward to it when they play it. It's uh, oh no, it's just a big great stadium. It's everything I love about Kiss. And yeah, also that's what Kiss, that's what Kiss is about. Yeah, you put the cherry on top was the video. I mean, you want to talk about just going thank you God because you know again, like Michael said earlier. You know, we're listening to Van Halen and Black Sabbath and Ozzy was hit. All this great stuff. Maiden and Kiss is just so lagging behind. And then, you know, it was like. Yeah, but like, see, that's the difference where I think I'm on the side with Tommy. Because like, I mean, I see your posts all the time, you know, like on suicides and stuff. And then when I see those posts, like about all those great records from 79, and it has Judas Priest and whatever. I don't own a single Judas Priest record. I don't own a single, you what's the other band? The um, the one that sounded so great when Blackie Lawless was singing the songs. Oh, Led oh, Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, oh, yeah. Oh, it's just like, oh, it's not my music. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't, did they cover When the Levee Breaks? Yeah, they movie? did. And I loved that song. And I was shocked to find out there was a Led Zeppelin song. Because I didn't. Mark, 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 Mark these two, got, these I two gotta guys. Go. I gotta go. I can't take this. Mark, here's <laughs> what it comes down to: these two guys love Unmasked and Peter Chris's solo album. Do we need to say anything more? Well, Mike, you do have you do have access to the mute button. I do. I do. So let's do the next question. Then, <laughs> and this one will probably really mess with Tommy trying to figure out the rules. What's the last good Kiss album and why? Think about that. I'll Not go great, first. just good. Okay, you go first, Tommy. Monster. That's the last good one. Okay. Because uh, Long Way Down and Freak, like I said, love, 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 love those songs. Still listen to them in heavy rotation, but I do not like the production of the record. Okay. It's it sounds like it sounds I don't know Alex and Mark you guys are the Brick musicians wall but is what they call it. It sounds muddy underwater. It, it I don't know. Yeah. Whereas like Sonic Boom sounded phenomenal. Yeah. You it's know, such a massive sound difference in those two records. It's, you know, and, and if you weird, guys, it is. And if you guys are wondering what sounds good to me when I'm listening to these records, go check out any record put out by Garbage. Yeah. Those things are fucking amazing. The sound quality of those recordings, it's like, that's the bar right there. Why shouldn't every band should sound like that? 
Exactly. You know, I, I also, I never understood like how Sonic Boom could have such a perfect sound. Cause like really like everything is just like as great as it can get. And then you have monster and it's like, yeah, it's monster, you, you know, like, and I, I'm, I always feel bad about that because it's it probably will be the last Kiss record, and it's like this is how it had to end, really, you know. And that's because I mean, like Psycho Circus, I actually saw it was pretty cool. Besides the fact that it sounded a little bit too late because the songs on it were more like they sounded like those were songs from the '80s and not written in '99 or something, you know. But like. Well, okay. Alex, so what is your last good Kiss album? I would say Psycho Circus. Because I really, I mean, I, I really like the Paul songs and the Gene ones also. The only two terrible songs on the record were um, the, um, God, I don't even know the name. The, the, the one where Peter Chris is crying through the song. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Like, finally found my way. Oh, yeah, I mean, th that is like, you know, finally really terrible. And the other song was You Wanted the Best. Because, like, when I heard they have a song that's called You Wanted the Best, You Got the Best, I really expected like an incredible song, you know, like, I mean, because it's such a strong line. You know, every Kiss fan knows that line from going to the shows You Wanted the Best, You Got the Best. And then you get this terrible song that is like, yeah, is that like a leftover of? hot in the shade or something like that you know and it's just like that song that doesn't do any justice to the title but like other than that i think psycho circus is incredible i mean like yeah of course we all know ace and peter didn't really play on it but like that doesn't change that those were actually great songs i mean raise your glasses psycho circus and all the other stuff and what's especially the we are one yeah because that that song incredible unbelievable song you know and so that is what i think like you know the last like really good one okay mark what was the last good kiss album Al alex nailed it uh psycho circus was the last good record now here's where i'm going to throw in my caveat um the asterisk is my version of psycho circus because I took the, the studio version as it sits is not the version that I listen to. Well, what do I mean by that? I, I got rid of the crap. I took the Peter Chris song off of it. So on my playlist, it's under Psycho Circuit. Again, I finally found a way. By changing the album. <laughs> well, hold on. I, so I took the Peter Chris song off. Into the Void is the worst piece of shit they've ever recorded. Could be the worst Kiss song if not one of the worst Kiss songs ever. That that song just blows really? up. 10 Ways Till Tuesday. That's fucking album's terrible. That song's fucking terrible. Um, and I also took off the total piece of shit, Dreamin'. What a garbage song that is. Can't but that's Alice one. Cooper cover. Yeah, well, that's why it's not a good Kiss song, because I love Alice. So I take those three songs off. They It's like Fairburn had no idea what he was doing. Shouldn't forgetting all about it. So when I scroll through my little iPod, I see these songs in their places. In Your Face. I love that song. Great vocal by, uh, uh, by Ace. Gene wrote that for him. Dynamite song. 
Um, I threw it's my um, life. It's my life, which is one of the greatest Kiss songs ever. I know. <laughs> so I love my, that one. And then time. I also I also have a demo um, that uh, "Sweet Dirty Love" that I I put on that ended up I think that ended up on Gene's on Asphalt. But uh, Gene does the "Take It Ace" or uh, you know um, little line. Anyways, that's I threw that on there too. So. You know, I took those three off. I put the other three on. I love the cohesiveness of it. It sounds great. That that album could have been great. Instead, it's just really, really good. I don't understand why people give. Well, I do understand because people, unfortunately, in the Kiss community, you know, it's you know, it's not a secret that Ace and Peter barely did anything on that record. So that's what means it sucks now. Well, I tell you what, I don't listen to music that way. I listen to it in my fucking ears. Songs. I don't give a, yeah, I listen to the songs. And I'm like, this is a really good record. But again, too, like I said, I did it so much that I'm like, these three songs blow. There's three more songs that were recorded in that time period that have the same tonal textures and sound, you know, it's it's cohesive. And and I built the record that way. So I love whenever I talk about psycho circus i talk about the version that i listen to all the time trash the shit i didn't like and brought in songs that i did and i think but it's that's really, just really like good. that's just the craziest thing ever like what the hell were they thinking in 82 and in 99 to not put it's my life on it that is beyond well you know alex you'll appreciate this and you'll know why <laughs> <laughs> we know why they did that the version of sister on somebody's old bootleg, um, uh, <laughs> that version is the ultimate version of sister. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 now the reason that if they would have used that, cause I know Ace submitted that for psycho circus. Yeah. I know why, I know why that, that they didn't show Cause Peter could, I'm just, but you know, plus if you just listen to the, Peter couldn't play that and they couldn't even use a studio drummer to fake Peter playing that because yeah. the, that, you know what I'm talking about, Alex, that version um, <laughs> from the old bootleg um, <laughs> is that song is dynamite. Now Ace ended up, I think he did it on anomaly, didn't he? Yeah. He did, but like that version That's nowhere near as good as the oh. demo. Not even close. My point is Ace submitted that demo, the great demo. Fairburn didn't pick it. But that version of Sister buries into the into the void, just buries it. It's way oh, better. Yeah, no. <clears throat> and and like I said, I I'm just bummed that they they didn't use that song. But again, <laughs> I know why they didn't because you couldn't even fake Peter playing because that's got the double bass runs in it. Yeah, no, there's no way. And it's like also like you know like when you read that stuff all the time when people are like like dreaming. Oh, Kiss, like the original four should do another record. And like, you know, like, have you listened to any of the um, farewell recordings when Peter was still in the band? Like, how do you think that would sound having him in the studio trying to put it together? Not even with Pro Tools or whatever tricks. You wouldn't be able, you know, to have him play something like that unless they do like an acoustic record and he plays tambourine. You know, but like other than that, like I and it has nothing to do with like bad mousing him because I, I mean like his stuff, like the early stuff, like what he was playing, is so incredible. It has so much, you know, feeling and everything. Especially what Michael was talking about rock and roll all night. 
that song only sounds good when the original four played it. It, I don't like that song when it was played on, you know, in the eighties, like on animal, on the animalized tour or like even, I mean, I hope nobody is listening to this, but like, no, we no one is. When my daughter was around like six or seven and we were driving in the car and then all of the sudden, the live version of Rock and Roll Night from Alive 3 was playing. And then my daughter said something. Oh, my God. Does Kiss know about it, that somebody played that song this terrible? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell it's the same band. And it's just like, like, it's butchered. It's like, you know, turning like a song with feeling and everything into like something that it's not supposed to be like. Fair enough. Yeah, I I will say the the last good Kiss album um, was Hot in the Shade, and it was only a good album. Far from great. It could have been a much much better album. Almost following the same things you guys were saying about Psycho Circus. You got to get rid of some of the songs. There's way too many songs on there. It needed a producer. It, at least Psycho Circus had had Bruce Fairburn. You know, Hot in the Shade needed a producer and the key role of that producer to trim songs out, rework songs to make them better. It needed that outside help. I think if Kiss went into the studio for Hot in the Shade with a legitimate, real producer. Bob Rock. I don't care who, anybody other than Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Yeah. Hot in the Shade could have been a much, much better album. Because I think if 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 you're honest and you look at it, there's peaks, there's there's little peaks into good elements in a lot of the songs there. They just didn't bother to polish them up and finish them and redo it. And you know, that was the that's what was missing. And I and I just I attribute that because nobody was pushing back again on Gene and Paul. You know, the other guys in the band aren't going to be pushing back. The producer's job is to push back and say, this song is good. We can make it great if you cut out that verse or we change the solo or we let somebody else sing it. Or a producer just flat out says, you know, this song read my body it just sucks it can't even be saved get rid of it exactly and also the fact that like on some of the songs they didn't even bother to record drums because like again it's a demo album basically yeah an album of self-produced demos you know and it was not like that they had you know like a shitty drummer that was like oh my god it will take us like a few weeks to record those drums. I mean, like, I'm sure if you would have asked Eric Carr, hey, how long w- will it take you to record five songs? Even if Paul was super picky about, you know, like certain things, you know, like you have to make sure to write on this and whatever. I don't think it would have taken him longer than maybe like two or three days. Tops. Even if Paul was like picky as fuck, but like two or three days and they were like in a demo studio. So... Probably they, were saving, all of- they, were, they were they were basically, I don't know this for a fact, but I assume it's true. They were just basically saving money everywhere they could. So yeah. 
you know, oh, it'll take two or three extra days in the studio, but that's going to cost us. So let's just use what we've got. It's exactly and it, what they did. And yep. it shows. And it shows. Got, and, got, and, got, and especially when you look at the exact next album that came out, Revenge, yeah. where they did have a, a real producer. They did everything that they should have done. And it sounds like it's significantly better. No, absolutely. And you can tell because like what was Crazy Nights was the record before. And yeah, even you have some extremely like terrible Gene songs on it, like no, no, no. But, but like but sonically, you can tell it's a it better album because it had a producer who could do something to that album. I mean, I think for me at least, a common thread here is any kiss album for the most part that was self-produced just kind of misses the mark a bit. Sometimes they miss it a lot, but it's yeah. never quite well, up to par when you compare it. I mean, listen, they've worked with Eddie Kramer, Bob Ezrin, Michael James Jackson, Ron Nevison. Those, whether you like those albums, those guys worked on, those are world-class, top-of-the-line producers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Michael, I, I think I think Hot in the Shades was a, was a direct result of coming after crazy nights because they did spend the money they did do the things they were supposed to do now while yeah. the record did eventually go platinum they were thinking heart aerosmith they were thinking contemporaries they were thinking this is going to be our you know big return to form meaning sales wise they i think they honestly went in with crazy nights thinking it was going to be a you know quadruple platinum sure. yep um and when it did far less than that it really didn't do a whole lot i mean reason to live was you know successful to a degree um obviously that the title track was big overseas it wasn't so much but, here. but crazy nights ultimately didn't do any better than say animal that well, that that was exactly my point. So that, I think that that's when they went into full fuck this. We can do hot in the shade, and you know, again, <laughs> they had you know, you know, forever was a you know, kind of took the place of uh, God. You know, if, if, for, to, if, for, if forever wasn't on hot in the shade, that album would have completely dang, bombed. Yeah. bombed it's completely. Same, it's the same for the hot in the shade tour. I mean, if you're honest, the only reason that tour was so successful was Forever and Slaughter. Yep. Without Slaughter, that tour would have been the same as Crazy Nights or like um, Revenge. Because it was just like, there was still an interesting kiss, but it was not as massive as it could have been. But like Slaughter was like so huge at that point, was up all night and the... God, was what, the, the angel side of the ain't fly exactly fly the i mean slaughter was everywhere you know yep. so it, that's what sold the tickets on their tour on revenge they had faster pussycat i mean i love that band but like that was that i mean again nothing against trickster but it, oh, really fair though that, for them hold on grunge was just taken over i, I tell you yeah. again i'm spoiled living here in detroit because hot in the shades did two i mean they were whatever six eight months apart but we got two palace of auburn hills shows on hot in the yeah. shade i think a, i think a bigger reason was word of mouth they had the big stage again the biggest one they'd had in a while and they were playing the older songs the that was really too right when kiss fanzines were just 
smoking. There was a ton of, I was writing for a couple of them. Um, you know what I mean? The word of mouth on the hot and the shade tour was really as, and, and it's great because it's not revisionist history. It's pretty accurate. I don't think many Kiss fans, us hardcores, were like bowled over with Hot in the Shade, but we damned if we didn't always we talk the about tour. what song. Yeah, yeah. That tour is fucking dynamite. Yeah, dude, they opened I Stole Your Love. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, it was that was a big deal. Yeah, um, so I mean. And I, I was lucky I saw both those shows here in Detroit. It was, you know, one was in May and I think the other one was in October. Um, you know what I mean? It was awesome. So I, I think Hot in the Shade was only just a good album. And, you know, I don't go back and listen to it much at all. I mean, rarely. <laughs> I probably listen to Hot in the Shade as much as I listen to Kiss Alive. Oh, boy. One side of the coin now, huh? Um, yeah. All right. Next question. What was the first, and I think this is the key word, first bad Kiss album? And why? Mark, you can go first on this one. As you can tell, I put a ton of uh, work into our prep for the show. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to go with Animal Eyes. Because I, <laughs> I, I, like, I like Unmasked. It's not the kiss I was crazy about. They were, you know, stretching their wings a little bit. The Elder, ugh. But I'll tell you what, I, for as much as The Elder grates my nerves, just for the fact that, again, timeline, we say this all the time, but if you didn't hear that in order, then you'll never understand the disappointment. However, the first time I went, ugh, I don't like the whole thing, was animalize i really didn't like that record um i was it was it was it the new was it the new guitar sound um it just didn't put it this i always say and and this is i'm glad you've said that michael because with monster i could go hell or hallelujah could have been on love gun i could go you know back to the stone age they they could have done that on you know love gun or right you know what i mean it I can take a thread of that and go, that kind of reminds me structure-wise, songwriting-wise. Um, I don't get me wrong, I love the song. It's actually one of my favorite kiss songs that I've had enough into the fires. Fucking oh. brilliant song. I love that song. However, that wouldn't have fit on the first six kiss records in any way, shape, shape, or form. Didn't even come close to sounding what kiss sounded like. It, it, it was kind of in that. When Kiss first started following trends, as yeah, opposed to being themselves, yeah, it didn't sit well with me. And still, my least favorite Kiss record is is Animal Eyes to this day. I like a couple songs on. I think that song's matter of fact. That song's in my top twenty. I love that song. Yeah, um, but you know the rest of it. Okay. Eh. Yeah, but what do you say about like it wouldn't fit on one of the first six records? I mean, isn't that the beauty about Kiss that they don't have that um, thing? Like, I mean, like for me, you know, like the classic band of that, like re-recording one record with 
two different singers, what ACDC. Um, it's just like, that's the amazing thing about Kiss. You have those early three records that sound like evil. And I mean, like hotter than hell, that sound as bad as it is, but that makes it so evil. I mean, like some of those songs, it's just like, it's out of this world. But then you have the more like polished Destroyer, which is still hard rock. And then you go from there to like Dynasty, which is a total different kind of songwriting. And then you go to The Elder and Creatures. And then, you know, like more the pop. That's why there's so much infighting within the Kiss Army, because exactly what you're describing, Alex, you've got a band that, Essentially, other than some of the band members and the name, you've got different bands. You could literally say well, Kiss in the 80s is a completely different band than Kiss in the 70s, just like Van Hagar is different than Van Halen. I don't care absolutely. what you say. They're completely different bands. Exactly. And I don't even understand the point about this, because to be honest, I think that's what makes that's what makes the music so interesting, because you have all those different kind of things on the records. And that's so incredible. I mean, especially like listen to the solo records. I mean, when people say, oh, I can't believe Peter's solo record didn't sound like um, Hooligan and Gene's record didn't sound. I mean, what is the point about um having a solo record that sounds exactly like the thing that they normally do. That's like if somebody works at McDonald's and says like, oh, today I get something different. But instead of going to another restaurant, he goes into his own place and like, oh, this time I ordered a Big Mac without the cucumbers. It's just oh, basically going to Burger King instead of McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, that's the thing that I always appreciate. And to be honest, I cannot understand how somebody is able to do the same thing over and over again for like 30, 40 years. I mean, like no fans, like I totally understand why people like ACDC. Yeah, but like even the Ramones, like as much as I love the first four records, but after that, it slowly goes down with the quality of the songs and everything. And yeah, with Kiss, that's what I think is the interesting part. Cause like, yeah, then you have bands like ACDC and that's their style. That's what they're known for. That's why people love them. Like they have the same kind of music because that's what their well, fans Tricks is the same way in many ways. Motorhead's the same way in many ways. Yeah. I Look, I'm more drawn to the four on the floor sort of hard rock of Kiss because that's when I got into them. That's what I yeah. like. Um, you know, look, I always call it eras. Um, a great example of, you know, one, as anybody who listens to this show knows it, you know, I'm a big Deep Purple fan, but the Ian Gillen stuff didn't sound like the David Coverdale stuff. I mean, they purposefully went a little bit more bluesy and, and, you know, when, you know, Coverdale really took that kind of sound and turned Whitesnake into a juggernaut, you know? Um, but I, I do love the total, but that era like Michael said, one of the reasons I thought it was disingenuous. They were certainly following trends. Um, really, really ear to the ground following trends. And I didn't like it. I liked it better when Kiss were just going, this is Kiss. This is what we sound yeah. like. These are the songs we wrote. Because I, I always have this argument with people because I'm like, well, Kiss doesn't, those first six records, they don't sound like Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? I could say they probably have a hint of some of the you know humble pie sort of things um 
you know, stuff that, that they were influenced by. Certainly some of the gene stuff had a strong Beatles influence. Yeah. You know? So I, I get that, but they weren't copying it like they were in the eighties. I mean, they were totally fucking, you know, again, read my body is just a rewrite of pour some sugar on me. And it's not even a good, <laughs> rewrite. terrible, but it's I'll... embarrassing actually. But I think like the point, I mean, let's face it. I think they started to get lost already with as much as I love those two records. Um, but like with creatures, because like the whole thing, if you remember like the old hit parader magazines, what was on the cover in like 81, 82. So and I'm sure like somebody in the kiss camp was like, you know, like we got to get heavier. Oh, no, we know, we, sure. we, we know that for a fact. I mean, you know, Chris Lent has said that, Michael James Jackson. I mean, even Gene and Paul have, have said before they even went into the studio with Creatures, everybody basically sat down and said, you guys got to go back to heavy. Yeah, but metal. that heaviness wasn't something they had. That wasn't literally their sound two years ago. Exactly. That, that, that's like, like Creatures doesn't sound at all like anything from those early records it's a total different beast has well, nothing think, to do with the original you know like what they did like between- I, I, you, I get you're you're right i will agree with you on that alex i mean creatures in my mind is probably kiss at their heaviest but yeah. i see a a much more direct connection from creatures to the first six kiss records than dynasty or on mass to the first correct six. that's my exact because if you listen to side four of alive two yeah that was a crunchy hard rock band and keep in mind and alex you know as well as i do you know fellow musician you know mutt lang was a game changer in 1980 oh yeah so by the time creatures appears two years later the, the technique on recording drums and guitars i mean it was different than it was just a couple years early in the seventies. Yeah, that there was a huge difference in the in recording techniques and sounds and the way things were played. You know, as I don't know, if, oh, I would expect people would maybe know this or think about it, but probably not something that people think about in general. But you know, you know, Orato, I mean, you know, Alex, because you record music when you're when when you're mixing a record, you'll purposefully want to try and make it sound as good as you can on these little tiny shit speakers yeah because my my point is this that that sort of techniques and those sort of things now from i'd say late 70s on to modern day were were really they're really trying to get things to sound a certain way so it could be played on the radio and and like i said an album like back in black was such a game changer that you know everything after it especially in that genre of music hard rock heavy metal another great example is listen to judas priest prior to british steel the tone well alex won't won't ever do that no but michael you know exactly what i mean tones change yeah no you're i mean you're a hundred percent you know anything off of uh you know uh, what's the one with desert desert plains on uh with hot rocking and uh Oh Christ! The, the one after British Steel. Why am I drawing a blank? Until all called British Steel. The one after <laughs> British Steel. Yeah, was that British Steel Part Two and then Part Three and then 
Oh Pro. no! Just I, I would say, I would <laughs> say that uh, point of entry. I would say that point of entry in some ways is part two. Judas Priest oh. didn't hit their peak until Turbo Lover. Oh my God! But that's actually that was a great song. I even remember that one. But like, oh my God! You cannot tell me you like the what was that horrible cover that they did? Johnny, oh, be good. Yeah. Oh my God! Worst that that, was, that, that is ever. like it's like almost like um like like you know like a Steel Panther song or something. It's like absolutely embarrassing. It's so because I just hate it when bands metal out stuff. It's just like because there's no personality if it's just like everything is cranked up to 10 and then you have a hysterical singer, you know, and it just it doesn't do anything to me. And Johnny Be Good, the original one, and then you hear that butcher version. I mean, it's just like. I don't understand it, but like, well, I'm it's, also what, it's so easy to understand. I mean, you again, you had to be there in the eighties, but movie soundtracks were huge during the eighties. Yeah. And, and it was all about having bands do new songs for that soundtrack. So, you know, somebody comes and says, we want you to do a song for back to the future, huge movie franchise. You know, people are like, fuck, sign me up. How do I do this? You want me to do a re-record of Johnny Be Good? Okay, let's do it. What movie was that actually in? I don't even remember. Johnny Be Good. I think it was the name of the movie. No, no, wasn't no. it? No, it was in it was in a Back to the Future movie, wasn't it? No. I thought the I no, I thought it was the kid the kid uh matter of fact, it was the Anthony Michael Anthony Hall. Michael Hall. Um it is me... called Johnny Be Good, isn't it? Wasn't it the movie called? Yeah, he was a football player. Johnny be good. Let me Google Judas Priest. That that and you're right, Alex. That is the worst cover ever. That that, that is like, and it, it's just like I, I always feel bad saying those things because I mean, like obviously, like everybody does stuff for Reese, but I just, you know, like the hard rock bands that I like, they always had a different kind of singers. Like for example, Anthrax with Joey Belladonna. I just thought it was so incredible because the music was heavy, but then you had a guy that was actually singing instead of just like, ah. You, 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 yeah, you guys are right. They recorded a rendition of Johnny Be Good intended for inclusion on the soundtrack of the 88 Anthony Michael Hall comedy film, Johnny Be Good. The song found its way onto Ram It Down and was In the Rude, album's first single. great album. But but so I was wrong in the movie, but it was still it was all about soundtracks during yeah. that. I mean, Guns and Roses, Rat, everybody was clamoring to get a song on a soundtrack. Yeah, because it was I massive needed, money. Yeah. Yep. You know, massive and money and promotion. With the guy gave rock and roll. To you. E exactly. There a, you go. Yeah. Um, Tommy, what was what is your first bad kiss album? Lick it up. The dream died. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. What yeah. didn't you like about Lick It Up? Uh, I didn't like um, the majority of the songs. I like A Million to One and I love Exciter. Those are the two songs on the record I like. And if we're going to talk about embarrassing songs, um, All Hell's Breaking Loose would be right up there for me. And like, this is just not good it's and, like a, we want to do break dance music or something you yeah know? and then taking off the makeup it was just 
I'm like, okay, it's over. I felt the same way when David Lee Roth, Roth left, left Van Halen. I'm like, okay, the dream's dying. So yeah, I just, I was just like, this, this is not what I want. Plus I, t- I don't like the change. How I didn't did, like, how the- did Tommy ever end up on a kiss podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I was bored and you had no one else to talk to and you're like hey. exactly that's about it <laughs> so I started listening to the records I'm like I could be a fan I can fake this yeah so no I just I, I that 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 really especially and here's the other piece of the 83 piece with lick it up look at else what else was out there at that point you had Van Halen you had Motley Crue, Cheap Trick was putting out phenomenal albums, and then just all of the other stuff that was out there. I just, but but I, I, I that that part right there, I can't wrap my head around because yet you go for unmasked, and you could sit here and go, well, look at everything else that was happening at that time, but you stuck with unmasked. But I don't like Judas Priest. I don't like Iron Maiden. I don't listen to any of that stuff. That's not my wheelhouse. I'm not a metal fan. I never have been. So in 1980, other than Van Halen, it was cheap trick for the most part for me. And then pop radio. Uh, I'm not a fan of the metal stuff. Like the, a lot of stuff that Mark likes, I'm, I don't know anything about it. He talks about certain cuts from Deep Purple. And I'm like, I don't know, never heard it. You know, I'm not a big Zeppelin fan. I think In Through the Outdoor was by far their best record. And I get just crucified when I say that to the Zeppelin fans because they're like, well, oh, physical graffiti, blah, 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 whatever. Well, physical like, graffiti is their best record. But well, I I'm not going like- to argue that. I'm, I, I'm indifferent. I don't care one way or another. You know, it's nothing I listen to. So for me, yeah, like I don't listen to Metal Church either. So for me, <laughs> you know, I, I don't like the Vinnie Vincent guitar playing. That, that's what really killed it for me. I think if they would have gotten someone in the band like Punky Meadows, I would have probably liked that better. And so yeah, that's why... You know, songs, you know, like, it's kind of like, I don't know, it was like Vinny, as crazy and insane as he is, but like, like the songs that he wrote are just like incredible. I mean, well, I'm not saying he's not a great musician or yeah. nor am I saying he's not a great songwriter. My point is I don't like that kind of guitar playing. I prefer a more bluesier based guitar playing like some of the earlier records of Kiss. And when so when I heard that, I'm like, I don't want this. I, that's I want pop songs more so because to me, Kiss was nothing more than a pop band with a heavy bottom end to it. You know, the songs are really poppy. You can sing along to them. They all have hooks. They're brilliant songwriters. And I thought that they were really chasing things. So to Alex's point earlier on, that's why I didn't embrace, you know, Creatures the first time I heard it. I love the song, but then the rest of it, I'm like, this isn't really kind of, this is, it's different than listening to Kiss Alive. Like to me, I think one of the the most shining spots on Kiss Alive is "Let Me Go Rock and Roll" and that long oh, jam. Yeah, you know that is my wheelhouse, but I don't consider it heavy metal. It's just rock and so, roll. Yeah, it's yeah. just rock and roll. So to me, Creatures was their first heavy metal record. I never considered Kiss heavy metal any more than I do Motley Crue or 
I don't consider Van Halen heavy metal. Heavy metal no. to me is Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. And those guys are all great in their own right. And I'm not saying that they're not great bands. I just, that's not something that I would listen to. So for me, uh, Lick It Up was a horribly big disappointment. It also took me, same as, same as Creatures, it also took me some time to get into Lick It Up. It was not that I put it on and like, oh my God, this is great. No, it took me like a couple of days listening to it and then like, you know, this is actually great. Because like you said, like Exciter is just like the drums on that song, like some of those fills that Eric is playing on it, that, that is just beyond. And then the other song, Not, not For The Innocence, Yep. Even I oh, wish, yeah. even I wish they would have kept the like it on the demo. You know, it was like Dean and awesome. Paul. Well and, and also, well, and also with Kiss being such a visual band, I can't help but look at it that way too. So the lick it up. The first thing I thought of is, is great. Finally, they're playing them on radio. I love that. But I'm like, there's no fucking solo in the song. You know, so like when I heard them do. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't consider it a solo. And I'm just like, why wasn't Exciter the first track? And then the video was awful. It was burnt out freaking Bronx. And I'm just like, this is just. I hated the video when I saw yeah, it. I, I, just, I like, love the song. Yeah. And, and it's this the exact same the, video. And those rubber skulls. Just yeah. It's just. Embarrassing. I'm and surprised it was the, Gene didn't go, what are you do? Why are we using like, yeah. this is terrible. I yeah. just did bum me out. So. But like a lot of those old videos are just, uh, you know, like those two videos from Lick It Up and the two, um, the Too Young to Fall in Love, weren't they all done by the same guy? Yeah, and I wasn't a big fan of Too Young to Fall in Love either. But it's just like the funny thing, I think like when they did the Too Young to Fall in Love video, they had more budget because like the lighting and everything, I mean like the All Has Breaking Loose video must be one of the worst videos when it comes to lighting. It seems like, ah, Shit, like you know, hey, Vinny, can can you see them? Yeah, exactly. It's like you you couldn't really see them. It's like so bad because, like, the too young to fall in love is pretty much the exact same thing, but with professional lighting and everything. Mm -hmm. And you always break it. It's just like it's terrible, right? I agree. So that would be mine, Alex. What is your first bad kiss album? Animalize because it's, I remember when I got it. And unlike Lick It Up or Creatures, where it took me like one or two days to get into it, I mean, I I like the Paul stuff, but then like the Gene songs are like beyond, beyond terrible. I mean, like Burn Bitch Burn and then like those last two songs on the record, I mean, those are like, I don't even, what were the titles? Like While the, the City Sleeps and- While the City Sleeps. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, the, Murder in High Heels, is that? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like, and if Paul was the producer, I'm just thinking, like, did he sleep while Gene did put those songs on? Because there's like, when Paul always talks about, like, oh, I watched this and, th- and whatever, and it's like, wasn't he at some point, like, hey, I gotta say something to Gene because those songs are like, so terrible. I don't even know one person that would say like, oh, I listen to murder on high heels once a day. Find me. Right. Maybe there is somebody that's watching this that says like, yeah, I'm listening to that song like three times a day, you know, 
when I have to use the toilet or something like, you know, like the flush. And if you think that I was bummed out when Lick It Up came out, God, once I saw the tour, I'm like, this makes it, this is just like one more shot to the head. And then the next record, Animalize, comes out. I'm like, well, this is actually worse. You know, the, I, and I started at the record, co- at the record store. I'm like, what the fuck kind of cover is this? I mean, I had a decade of awesomeness. Those yeah. record, those those records, all the way through uh, Unmasked, I thought for their own reason were really cool, different variants and whatnot. And then once it started with the Elder, and I'm like, oh fuck, what is this? And then Creatures comes out, and this is awesome. And then from that point forward, I'm just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. These are horrible. They had so, like in the '80s, I think they had like some of the worst designers, but like. I got it with like a bunch of tracks, like, like "Swirls in the Night" is still one of my one of my favorite like non makeup songs because it's oh, so yeah. incredible. But and then also, um, what was the other one? <laughs> Under the gun. Uh, no, get all you can take. Also, so it was incredible. Yeah. yeah. But like all the Gene songs, because there was one other song that was so bad. It was the last song on the first side. It was a Gene song. I don't know. I, I don't know without looking at oh, it. Lonely, lonely is the hunter. Lonely, Ugh. yeah. Ugh. I, I mean, that is like, I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I just, you know, it, it's like, it's beyond, because like, especially, you know, like when you grew up and listening to all those records, like, you know, like Love Gun, Dynasty, Rock and Roll Over, Unmasked, whatever. And then you have music like that where you think like, what the fuck? And, and then, like, just a few months before that, you bought Shout at the Devil. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is, I guess they're old people now. I remember my dad said that, you know, because, like, he was like, yeah. well, you know, now they're old people. Like, you know, like, and Gene is older than, you know, so, like, that's why he can't write songs anymore. And, and like, I, that's why I was so amazed when Asylum came out, because at that point, like, at least... Those songs were great, the Gene songs, but like on Animalize, it, it's beyond my imagination, like how they did put those songs on the record. And I still feel like Lick It Up Through Hot in the Shade made one really good Paul Stanley solo record because there are elements of every single one of these releases that I like. So I don't want people to think I hate everything, but it's just a couple of songs off of each record that I really like. And it was all the Paul Stanley songs other than I really liked good girl gone bad off of uh, crazy nights. Secretly cruel. I thought was pretty good. Yeah. But that's on asylum. I mean, like, like I said, like the Jeremy's timeline right there. That's what I was saying. The Gene songs on asylum those are great but like it's funny what you say about the you know like making a paul record out of the 80s stuff the only record i know where it was the complete opposite of that where it's like that the gene songs are great but like the paul songs are just like what was he singing is carnival of souls because like i remember like listening to that sing and then the paul lyrics there was like something like oh i'm i'm feeling down or something and i was like what the hell is that? Like, did they go into the studio and by accident record like somebody else's music? Because, like, uh-huh. you know, like you'll see Paul, like just 
a year earlier than that, or like two years earlier on the revenge tour. Are you ready to have a great time? It's let's like, take it some, off. Let's yeah, exactly. Let's see some pussy and whatever. And now it's like, <laughs> well, now, I'm like now, now it's like, I'm sad and depressed and I love my child. Like, that that is like to me still I, I like I love that record though. I fucking oh, but the Gene songs. I mean, like it's like, one of the best his songs ever. No, that's that the only terrible song on that record. <laughs> Alex, you're wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, if Alex agreed with you, Mark, then you'd both be wrong. And there you go. <laughs> I, I, you know, I find it it's interesting that amongst the three of you, the first Bad Kiss album, nothing from that era of dynasty to unmasked to elder, because it just seems like that's where things really started to implode. I mean, for me, my first bad kiss album was the Peter Chris solo album in 78. I mean, yeah, but band record though, but no, I mean, there's no rules. And, and for me, the rule on this was, it was not released as a Peter Chris solo album. It's a Kiss album. It's got the Kiss logo has, on yeah. it. He technically has it. It's the Kiss oh, catalog. It's got Kiss makeup on the cover. So, you know, and again, this is what we talked about a few weeks ago when we compared uh, Soul Station to Peter Chris. Paul Stanley Soul Station is not a Kiss record. It's not being marketed as a Kiss record. It's not being promoted as a Kiss yeah. The Peter Chris solo album of 78 was. It was part of the whole Kiss marketing. So as a kid back in 78, what was I, 14 years old? You know, again, you don't understand what solo really means when you're 14. It's just like, I'm getting four Kiss records. To be honest, when the solo records... With the solo records, because I mean, I was eight years old and I saw it, it just meant that it's still the Kiss guys playing on all the records, but only one of them is singing that record. Mm, you right. know, I, but because like I had no idea. I mean, hell, I even went to a Rush concert because it said like, oh, special, very special guest girl school. So I thought, as a, I was 10 at the point, or like 11. And I said, okay, special guest means like, it's the guest of honor, that weird band Rush that I never heard of when I was like 10. They probably will play like two songs and then it will be an evening about girl school. Well, guess what? We went there and after 30 minutes of girl school, it was over. And then I saw Rush and I didn't know about that band, you know, cause I was like 10. Well, that, that's yeah. the whole point again, you know, it, Today, somebody seeing Peter Chris's solo album for the first time would be completely different than I'm 14 in 1978. I'm buying into all the marketing of four Kiss records coming out simultaneously. I'm super freaking excited. And, you know, I just dropped the needle on that Peter Chris album. And I was just like, what the fuck am I listening to here? What is this? So what did you not like about that record? It wasn't Kiss. It wasn't Kiss. He was and, expecting and, it to be like Hooligan, and, right? And and yeah, that's where yeah, I was. Yeah, I mean, and and listen, I was just getting into music at that point in time, so I wasn't into that style of music that Peter was. I completely get that's what influenced him, and that was what he loved, and I get that's why he did it now. But when you're a 14 year old kid who is just discovering literally two years earlier, rock and roll over 
and then Alive 2. I'm right back. One second. And then Love Gun. You're like, fuck, this is going to be incredible. And it was just a huge letdown in that I could not listen to this and enjoy it the way I could enjoy Rock and Roll Over. I just couldn't. It was impossible. And in it, I'll be completely fair. Gene's solo album was the exact same way for me. I could not enjoy it as a Kiss fan in 1978. It just didn't didn't make me go, fuck, this is great. I bought it because it was Kiss, and I never played it again. <laughs> I mean, so to me, that was the first bad album. Now, if Carnival of Souls came out in 1977, that would be the first bad Kiss record because that thing as a band album, to Mark's point, if I'm going to pick a band album, Carnival of Souls, hands down, without question, don't even have to think about it, absolutely sucks as a Kiss record. Sucks. Yeah. It might be great for the style it is. That ain't Kiss. To Alex's point, Kiss is a good time, loving life, having a party band, not a band that just a few years earlier, no, not earlier, a few years later is sitting up on stage when they reunited saying all these freaking grunge rockers in their boots and panels, yeah. <laughs> send us your freaking money if life is so miserable. Wait a second, you just tried to do that a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, there's a certain thread between hate and unholy. I mean... Just you know, no, but like hate, it just it does that song, it doesn't have anything. It's just like, oh, we gotta be heavy, we let's tune down to D and then like just like play some crap. Oh, I I totally disagree. I think that's a great vocal by Gene. Um, the drum part in that song is super cool. That drum part is fucking badass. When you try to t- tie the thread the thread together for those two songs, that's like the guy saying that you know I can prove the mal- magic bullet theory on the grassy knoll. I mean, it, listen, it, it I, doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I I could somewhat sit here and go, okay, if hate on its own was the only thing they recorded, and that was on revenge, it might get lost in the mix of like okay, but when you do an entire album, Carnival of Souls of material that is not kiss i'm sorry yeah. flat I'm out not, is not i'm not kiss. disagreeing with you i'm not it disagreeing was, with you michael it was but the I think biggest childhood and childhood's end is a great well-written song but that is gotta, a great I, song you know there could be some incredible lyrics and and stories there yes but i'm sorry the whole thing is not what kiss is about and it was the no biggest blaring example of kiss on, ever back. in their career jumping on a trend oh well yeah absolutely i mean biggest there's no denying they tried to be a grunge band and let's be honest an allison chains fan is gonna laugh at that going kiss being grunge please that's a joke just as a kiss fan is laughing at kiss trying to go that way nobody respects that and I was depressed after I got done listening to it because it's I, not what I want. I can't. I couldn't. I, every once in a while, I still try and listen to it. <laughs> I can't get through it. It's like, no, I'm going to go back and listen to Crazy Nights or I'm going to mm-hmm. listen to Destroyer or Rock and Roll Over. I want a band that's like an anthem that you're cheering mm-hmm. that makes you feel good. Right. I, 
Carnival of Souls, there is, you know, and I'm sorry if people like it. I'm sorry for the band and Bruce and everybody. It sucked as a Kiss record. Take the Kiss logo off of it and put a new band name on there that features the members of Kiss. At least that's a little more acceptable, but it's not. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing with the infamous Motley record with Karabi. If that wouldn't have had the Motley logo on it, people would have a total different point of view about the record. Because, like, if you buy Motley, I mean, it's the same with like going back to McDonald's. If you buy a Big Mac, you want it to taste and look like a Big Mac. If you buy Motley Crue, you don't want to have like um, whatever, like um, Duran Duran or Venom record. You know, you want to have Motley Crue and with that Karabi record, it is fucking great, but it has nothing to do with Motley Crue. I remember when that record came out on MTV Europe, they had a competition where the winner would fly to the States and meet the band. But to enable to do that, um, you had to guess some of the songs. And um, the first 10 people that called, I wish I would have that on videotape. The first 10 people that called had no idea about any of the, the stuff. And then, cause like they did the thing where like somebody from MTV was re-singing those songs from that Motley Crue record. So like the first 10 people all lost. And then like the girl that won the competition, she is like, and then that, that host said something, okay, now you go get a chance. You will fly to the States and meet Motley Crue. And then, and then she said, what is, what is Motley Crue? She had no idea. And, and that just tells you like how wrong the whole thing was. I mean, not the record, because it's a great record, but it has nothing to do with Motley Crue. And I feel the same thing about Carnival of Souls, because it's not a Kiss record. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, to be yep. fair, so many of the bands we loved through the 70s and 80s, when grunge hit, tried yeah. to reinvent themselves as a grunge band. We've seen, yeah. you could count off countless oh. that tried to do it. It never worked. It never, ever worked. And, and, and to me, again, that's all it was about Carnival Souls was this just, there's no chance this was ever going to work as a kiss. Record. No, no chance in hell was it going to work. That would have like that record. If there wouldn't have been the reunion, if they would have released that in like 96 or something after that, there would have been a club band, yeah. you know, like playing together was like Dokken and um, Trickster or something, you know, like in some club, they, they, they'd be opening for Motley Crue. Oh yeah. Yeah, because that that stuff like it never goes. I mean, like obviously, you know, like sometimes you you know stuff happens in life where you have a band and you have to change members or something. You know that that happens to everybody. But like if you change your music just to follow a trend and it's that obvious. I mean, not even so much so much about the music, but like the lyrics on Carnival of Souls. It has nothing to do with Kiss. It doesn't work. And, you know, and, and I will admit something like Crazy Nights, which I love, was following a trend. But again, oh. Crazy Nights was much more kiss. Yeah, the lyrics, turn on the night and... 
yeah. crazy, so, crazy nights. That was just that's Kiss. You might not have liked the production, you might not have liked the keyboards, but that still was closer to Kiss than Carnival of Souls was. The only thing oh, yeah. that is close to Kiss and Carnival of Souls is the logo on the cover and the people who recorded it. None of the music in my mind has a direct line to anything Kiss musically. Well, like, I mean, <clears throat> in a certain way, if you remember like the, the Kiss My Ass, the tribute, that was already trying to follow trends by choosing only bands that were popular yep. at that point. You know, they yep. couldn't use like, like a band from the 80s. Hey, let's ask Janie Lane if he does an acoustic version of Best, which would have killed pretty much everything else that was on the record. But because, no, it's the 90s and Nirvana and whoever is on TV. So we have to use those people to do a cover of our song. So maybe we can introduce some of those 90s people to kiss. No, you're uh, you're 100 right. So mm -hmm. the, uh, let let let's hit the last question and let's let's blow through this one quickly if we can because we're over two hours and I'm sure the puck <laughs> is dropped or Mark is hungry. Um, what was the Kiss album that just missed being good, and what was missing? Tommy. God, um, the elder. Okay, and what was missing? Too much, um, too much of a story about Besides something. Israeli. Yeah. Well, no, I mean it, it, that the the half the sound was great production wise. Some of the songs were fantastic, but too much of it was throwaway. And I think if they would have recorded those four songs that they put on Killers and put those on The Elder and got rid of the stupid cover and just made a rock record that sounded like that, it would have been good. Yeah, but, but I mean, you know, if we look at timeline, they needed the failure of The Elder to get them to record and, and I would, Killers. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not debating that at all, but that's the one that sticks out in my mind. Okay. You know, more so than anything else or the Gene Simmons solo record. That would be my other choice because most of it's not very good. Okay. Mark. Already answered it. <clears throat> Psycho. Well, what did I do? It was, I changed it to make it really, really good. Okay. Alex. I would say um, Sonic Boom because the record itself, I think, is great, but what I don't like about it is that they told Tommy to, hey, now listen to that solo that Ace was playing on that record and make a play a copy of the guitar solo in she and put it in that song. Because, like, I get the point that they had to have somebody in the band wearing Ace's makeup, but the thing I don't get is, because, like, to uh, I mean, Tommy is not a guy that can't play guitar. So why did they tell him, oh, you have to copy Ace's solos? Because that's what, in my opinion, turned it for some people, turned Saya into a joke to those people. Because, like, I mean, like, Saya can play stuff which he proved on the Monster record. Because, like, even I don't like the record, but, like, the solos, Tommy's work is great. Like, he knows what he's doing. And if you listen mm -hmm. to the 
all the guitar solos he did on Psycho Circus. The guy knows what he's doing. So why did they tell him, oh, you have to copy some of Ace's solos and make yourself look like an idiot. And it's not his fault. I mean, like I always felt like, okay, like that must be like the worst thing ever. If you go into a studio, it's your first record with the band. You're wearing Ace's makeup. So that already gives some people the, ah, fuck, what is that? But at least I can prove them, you know, with my playing that I'm not copying Ace. But then you listen to it. And that gave the haters and pretty much everybody else like, oh, my God, he just copies some of Ace's solos in those songs. And that's just something as much as I like the record, but like that, it always leaves a bad taste in my mouth like like those guitar solos because i know it's just a, yeah I, I don't get it you know i mean yeah you want to recreate your original sound but like there's a difference of like recreating something or like just copying it you know like 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 wasp is like the king of doing that like they have a couple of songs that they re-recorded with new lyrics and oh that's a new wasp song and that's kind of like with those Tommy Sayer songs, uh, the, the solos. I think that was like that. That yeah, ruins it a little bit for me. For for me, it was monster. And what was missing was a real producer. I I think I think if you took everything that was on the monster record but ran it through a real producer, it would have sounded just enough better, more polished that it would be a great album for me. Fair enough. There you go. So <laughs> that was a good round table that lasted mm -hmm. over two hours. So obviously oh, everybody, your homework is to answer all of these questions and there's no rules. So you can decide for whatever reason, what's good, what's great, what's bad, what's missed. We don't care. Just answer these four questions and give us a little why. As, as Professor Tommy says, he wants you to explain your answer. It's much, so much more interesting to understand why you feel the way you do. Yeah. You know. Yep. All right. Uh, is there anything in the KISS world we need to make a quick mention of before we say goodbye? Let Mark go eat. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think there's anything going on, you know. There really isn't. Besides, like, Gene selling his house and people are wondering, like, oh, my God, why is he selling his house? Does he need food? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gene's starving. Uh, we have to put up, you know, talk about, uh, not talk, but just mention, since we're things new in the Kiss world, David's shoes are on sale. Go to his site. Yeah. Um, you know. happy, happy belated 70th birthday to Ace Fraley. Well, actually, I don't know if it'll be belated because we'll it's, still be airing before he yeah. his well, birthday. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just I just remember just recently saw the photos of him celebrating his birthday. Yes, in Vegas. <laughs> well, he's probably drinking for like two weeks if he's well. Oh no, he doesn't drink anymore. But like you know, <laughs> I also saw that it was like like why do they post something about his birthday if it's like in like three weeks? Well, I'm assuming that's when he was able to get everybody together. Eric Singer was there. Eddie Trunk was there. John Five was there. Well, those were different nights. They weren't all out. No, no, not not all at the same time. But they were all in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. 
for his. By birth. the way, by the way, let's just let's just uh, that Laura's a looker, man. She's good yeah. looking. Pretty he, uh, he upgraded. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from a dumpster fire. Jesus. <laughs> um, all right. So again, you got your homework. You know what? Where to go to leave your answers. If you are watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, Spotify, follow us, iTunes, subscribe. Um, if you're interested, we are now streaming our, sh our videos live on Twitch as well. Mark's going what? Twitch? Twitch. No, Bedrock. Twitch. Bedrock. Twitch. <laughs> exactly. Rock um, is going to roll. We, 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 we now have a, a Twitch it's channel Twitch. where we're going to stream <laughs> all the videos as well. So. Um, that's it, I guess. Alex, one last plug. Thank you. Plug. Um, well, I have um two things because we um will release with Shameless a picture disc in June, and this kind of like Kiss related because like on the title track "Live Your Dream," Bruce played guitar on that, and the second one, which is also with Bruce, we did a cover of the Eastbound and Down title track. Yeah, the Smokey and the Bandit title track, Eastbound and Down. Nice. And Jared Reddick, the guy from Bowling for Soup, he did the vocals on that. And Bruce played the all the guitars. And he, Bruce totally nailed it. He played it exactly like, like Jerry Reed was playing it in the 70s, but like he did like an upgraded version of that. And then oh, we also awesome. did, we did another song with Bruce. Actually, we did a few more with him but like i'm sure you guys remember the the kiss box set from 2000 yeah and there was a song on it called love is blind which is like and i always loved that song but as you all know there was never ever a full recorded version of that song so i was like okay how would have kiss recorded that in 1976 so I got like a violin player and we recorded like the full thing, like, you know, with drums and guitars, and but like also a violin player. So you get the destroyer feeling and finally the song being like a full song. Very cool. cool. It's cool. So everybody You're so creative. watch out and for Shameless. The book. Don't forget about the DeLorean book. Yeah, it's like you just have to go on deloreanbook.org and it shows you all the options where it's available. It's, and there's it's also a book that's done and shipping. That's all you need to know. And it even comes with a collector coin and um, a bookmark. Not me. Felt, a book, not, not, you can't bookmark. So. Bookmark. <laughs> bookmark for your party. <laughs> no, because I always like, you know, we come from the same, from the KISS world. So I always like that when you can, can give people something extra. extra, you know, and that's why I saw like, you know, like a collector coin would be cool and you need a bookmark. You gave people five hundred extra and released it on time. And well, yeah, and you're blowing people away. I'm sure that aren't Kiss fans buying the DeLorean book and getting all this extra stuff that they don't normally get with books they buy. So, yeah, you know, that's a big now, deal. For me, it's just always like I have to be satisfied with stuff. I mean, like that's why a lot of times drive the people that I work with almost to commit suicide because when we're in the studio and like I hear things or I in my brain that I know like they have to be a certain way. And then like yeah. I have like five people around me and they're like, what the hell? What do you want? And then once it's done, they're like, OK, I understand it. 
It's like also that because, you know, for a couple of reasons, we also have a, a girl now singing in Shameless. Nice. And like she totally nails it. It's like she also is the girl that did the Live Your Dream song. And she's actually my wife's singer from Blue Rune. Oh, which is another great band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, we start to work on the next record. Like pr- once we're done with like the the total of a thing, like at the moment I'm working on something like, like 23 shameless tracks for like three different projects and then once we're done with that then we start working on the new blue rune record we just have to wait because with the corona charlotte is not able to fly to germany at the moment because you know all the restrictions and like yeah we can do some stuff you know where she's just like in the studio in new zealand and that works but like when we write together it's just it makes more sense you know to sit here on the couch and go sure. through stuff. And then like all three of us, like, cause like Anna is obviously, she's the, the DOS Vader of the band that says like, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. You can't do that. You know, now get me some wine or something, you know? So like, I'm just like, I'm following whatever she says that I have to do. Smart man. Like a good- well, Yeah, not definitely, but like, it just, it works out, you know, and it's fun. But like, and also like with Bruce, like, all the stuff we did with him like over the last few months it's just always such a pleasure and like like also watching all his like the videos that he does i mean if you think about like bruce in the 80s he never did interviews or anything and now he's so on the spot like i I know Mm -hmm. in a couple of days he has this incredible like acoustic show with um the other guy from slash band the i always forget his name the guy was the lot no no um Mark, you know, what's the name of the guy? The guy was Todd. Todd, Todd Kearns. Kearns. Todd Kearns. Yeah. They do like an incredible show. On, I think it's on the 16th of April. Okay. Which is actually, okay, I think Three that days. show. Yeah. It'll have already and, aired. Yeah. But I just saw a trail of it. And like, I'm, I'm sure like people can buy a ticket to that like afterwards or whatever. Yeah. But it's just incredible. And Bruce is just like so, she, he's everywhere. And like, he, you know, it's just incredible like the stuff that he's doing yeah he knows how to he knows how to work social media and he's very good about engagement with fans which is huge yeah and 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 last thing real quick i mean somewhat related to bruce um we are sharing a whole bunch of photos that kyle took of kiss on the revenge tour in Mm -hmm. saint paul minnesota from 1992 So follow us on all the three side social medias like you were doing for the asylum tour. We've got 61, 62 photos from the revenge tour that Kyle has gracious, graciously allowed us to share. Yeah. Tommy's pictures from the asylum, asylum tour was so great. Like I, I was, Thanks. because I love all the colorful stuff on you know i mean not jeans outfits but like just like <laughs> yeah it was but a great the, tour those pictures were so incredible i mean like especially you know like i i bet in 85 86 you didn't have the equipment that you have now no i borrowed my brother-in-law's camera he had a nicer camera and we snuck it in in pieces and <laughs> i was in the front row and i'm just like had no idea what i was doing just taking pictures and today all you have to take with you is like a phone you know it's like mm-hmm. rule. i mean like a lot of the photos that ended up in like some of the previous or like the current tour book 
were done with his Samsung smartphone. He didn't even bother to take his regular camera. No, the Samsung takes much better photos. So he just like took those. Amazing how it works yep. out. All right, guys, that's it. Three sides of the coin. Uh, we'll be back next week. I don't know what we're talking about. We don't have any guests lined up. We'll let, uh, we'll let somebody figure that one out. And uh, that's it. We'll see everybody next week. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.